Hello and welcome into another episode of the Esports Network podcast in partnership with Reuters. As always, I'm your host, Mitch Dreams, and David, I forgot to get the pronunciation of your last name before we started the show. How no do you say it? Vinokurov. Vinokurov. My guest today is David Vinokurov, CEO and President of Fandom Esports. David, thanks for joining the show and thanks for that help with pronunciation. No problem, Mitch. Thank you. It's a bane of my life, but all good. Thank you. <laughs> fandom Esports is an entertainment company that aggregates, curates, and produces unique fan-focused content. The company's primary product is the Fandom Sports app, which focuses on monetizing fandom via the Blaze blockchain. This week, Fandom and Esports Network signed a letter of intent, and we are excited about potential collaborations in the future, starting with this podcast. So, David, you're the new CEO. Last year, we had Henry Holm, the previous CEO of Phantom, on the podcast. What are your goals for the organization going forward? Uh, very simple. Uh, we're looking to uh, grow and engage with the esports community. Uh, you know, the partnership that you just announced with esports is really going to be one of the building blocks of that goal. Um, you know, what we want to do is build out a community where people can come, follow their favorite games their favorite teams interact with what may be going on in those esports events live in real time and engage with each other in a, in a completely unique way uh, that is, you know, user-friendly and engaging. So, you know, there's two pillars to the platform. Uh, both of them are built on data. So we have data coming in from uh, in-game data, you know, win, lose, draws, certain matches, certain spells happening, headshots, towers going down. And on the other side of that, we have content coming in from Esports Network, amongst other organizations that we're working with, uh, uh, for stories around the games and behind the games. What our community managers then do is sort through that data, create predictions that people can predict on and engage on in real time. So as you're watching an event on a, your favorite platform, you know, as long as we have data to it, you can play along with that and interact with that game as it goes on. So everyone's used to, uh, you know, having two screens, right? You know, I'm at home always watching TV and I seem to be scrolling through something on my phone. So this is a way to really close that loop and, you know, increase engagement and then have, you know, Absolutely. We're definitely in the age of two screen viewing. Uh, Twitch capitalized on that very early on with the Twitch chat and realizing that people wanted to talk about what they're watching while they play it. Now we're actually at the age of probably three screen viewing. I know there's plenty of times when I'm playing Hearthstone on my laptop, browsing Twitter while watching a TV show, which is probably not good for my long-term health, but I do it anyway. Yeah, you know, I've, I, I have a little bit of uh, mild ADD myself. Uh, the 14 tabs open, three screens. I'm looking at a laptop now. I've got another a desktop screen beside it and a TV running right behind it. And, you know, I'm having a focused conversation with you. So this is just, I think, rewiring our brains. But you know, the amount of information that you can interact with today is just fantastic. Like, nobody thought you could do this. And, you know, even when I speak to some of our investors, uh, and if people watch people play video games. Like, it's more entertaining than anything I see on all these three other screens in front of me. So why not? You know, uh, it's a fun, safe place to work, right? You're at home and you're enjoying it good content that's not hurting anyone so i'm all for it i'm all for it too and it's content and again it, it highlights that disconnect towards what people enjoy watching in the second degree viewing people love to watch people play video games because 
they're not entirely watching them play video games. They're also on their phones. They're also in Twitch chat. Unlike a intense Netflix drama, for example, where you need to be focused on it entirely or a movie or even a sporting event where you need to really be focused in, people playing video games, people playing a battle royale is very second screen viewing heavy, which just shows how people are consuming content these days. Yeah, yeah like there's, you know, thank God I don't have two phones. Like I said, there's no real end to what you can do. And I think that's what's really unique about what we're trying to do here at Fandom is that, you know, whether you're watching an embedded stream in the app or you're watching that stream from another platform, because the data comes in, you're, you're really engaging with on one type of content on two different screens, as opposed to watching two different screens with two types of content on it. So it really uh, completes the ecosystem. And, you know, we can offer benefits uh, to the companies that we partner with. Uh, you know, for example, if an ad is showing on, you know, a streaming platform, we can have that ad mirrored in the, in, in the handheld device or vice versa. We can embed in, in the platform and, uh, you know, there's a benefit to the partner. Uh, what we're able to do because our system is built out above a uh, blockchain backend that allows us to facilitate microtransactions. So, you know, in all the streaming platforms, everyone wants to be a, a featured Twitch uh, streamer, right? So they, they can share the ad revenue. What we can do on our system is we can share that ad revenue with the people watching the ad, even, right? So that's, that's a whole new paradigm in the, in, in the sector. So, um, if you can do that, if you're the streamer who's streaming can earn by uh, earn re- money from advertisers, and the viewer can earn money from from advertisers by us sharing that revenue with them, well, that's a, that's a win win for everybody, right? So I think that's really unique. We have a unique technological capability to do so, and uh, you know we're going to have lots of news coming out in you know the next several weeks and months on that front so it's really exciting absolutely and we're excited to have that letter of intent signed to be a partner going forward with fandom let's talk about the blockchain a little bit uh because it's such a it's become almost a buzzword and on wednesday afternoon you're gonna be hearing this friday we're recording thursday uh it was vaulted back into center focus again as twitter gets hacked and the people that have gotten into the back end of twitter decide to put uh, push out a scam to get them people to send Bitcoin to them, basically. And Bitcoin tied to the blockchain. Uh, but I still think there's a lack of knowledge when it comes to what the blockchain is and the functions of it. People hear blockchain and think Bitcoin, and now possibly Bitcoin scam from Elon Musk. What is the blockchain and how is it used in fandom? And why is that different than its typical cryptocurrency applications? No problem, no problem. I'm not a cryptocurrency expert. Uh, I'm uh, a fan of blockchain in specific applications. Um, so, in a, and I'm, my background is not technology, so it's you know just like an everyday type of uh, viewpoint on it. So, what's blockchain? Blockchain is a network that verifies transactions. So, if I do something on a particular server, you know, multiple other servers verify that that was done, and, and that consensus is registered across the network. And that is in effect what happens in our blockchain. So it's just a way to verify information by separated nodes slash servers. So it's security of information. 
it, it makes things more secure because if one of those nodes happens to be hacked or compromised, you know, the other one, the other nodes or servers have a separate store of information that, you know, verifies. It's like you're riding a bicycle with 20 wheels. If one of them goes flat, you can still go forward. Now, uh, when we talk about cryptocurrency mining and specifically Bitcoin and some other cryptocurrencies, right? Um, you know, I might get some flack from this from our uh, cryptographers out there, but basically uh, what happens to, to create a Bitcoin is these computers are used to solve mathematical equations. When they solve a mathematical equation, a new coin is created, right? Now these coins can then be traded and you know, they can be traded anonymously. So if you, you, know, you have those components of data storage, data integrity, coin creation and anonymous coin transfers um, backed up by blockchain. So it's all very cryptic and, you know, wow, you know, I'm sending money to who knows where into the internet. My computer's going to eat my credit card and someone's going to steal it and cash out bitcoins. It's, you know, that's the uh, first thought that people have. Um, you know, blockchain, it's, a, it's such a large term. It's like the internet, right? Like, what is the internet? Well, internet's a way to share information. Uh, my opinion my humble opinion is that blockchain is a way to store information securely and, and exchange information as well. So, you know, unfortunately, you know, with, with the hacking of those accounts, uh, you know, uh, the opportunists who did so, you know, figured, well, hey, send us, uh, you know, bitcoins and we're going to run away with a bag of digital coins. Um, fandom has nothing to do with that type of business model. Uh, the coins that we have um, are for our internal system. We don't mint coins. We don't sell coins can't take those coins and sell them to someone else. It's only a way for us to store and account for transactions that happen within our platform. Absolutely. And I, that's a really refreshing discussion of what blockchain is and how cryptocurrency works. Oftentimes it's described in these convoluted terms, which doesn't help the layman. And that is basically the, the summarize, the summarization of it is it's a, security it's it's better security as we all worry about our security i thought it was so funny yesterday because there's all these conversations about lack of security and then it's not being equated to but actually the blockchain provides a lot more security if if we operated with more blockchain we'd have less of these hacking things now just because they're using the hack to then have bitcoin sent via this it's it's such an interesting perspective as people still don't really understand what blockchain is and the fact that it's generally just a very good thing. It's not really a buzzword. It's just added security for computers, something we desperately, desperately need right now. And it's functions, like you said, are not just mining coins and being for cryptocurrency. It's really just security and allowing, you know, inner website transactions, be it uh, what fandom's doing with fan coins, and really just improving general security. We'd be all much safer online if a lot more things move to blockchain models. Yeah, look, uh, as we're talking this, like I just literally Googled, what is blockchain? The simplest terms, blockchain can be described as data structure that holds transaction records while ensuring security, transparency, and decentralization. So that's one key term uh, that I didn't say in, 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 in my description of it. Sorry, guys. Uh, but it's decentralized, right? So the fact that we have 10 different nodes, servers, computers, whatever you want to call them, right? Um, 
you know, if you remove one of those, the other, you know, if you move one of those 10, the other nine can still confirm what was there, right? So it, it, it's, a, it's about integrity, security, transparency, and decentralization. Um, you know, so w when you start talking about mining the coins and certain different coins, there's hundreds of coins and there's much more qualified people that can speak about that and the benefits of that and, you know, financial systems and international financial transactions. Um, that's not part of what fandom is doing. Uh, but again, the benefit is the security of information and the transparency, right? Because we are a public company, right? We, we trade on you know, Canadian Stock Exchange, uh, shameless plug for our stock, FDM. But uh, joking aside, you know, uh, we have annual audits. We have to have transparency in all types of, you know, down to every penny where everything goes, especially the fact that we are pursuing certain gaming licenses because right? there's a over 18 gaming component of what we're going to get into as well. Uh, so it's it, it's imperative that everything is secure, transparent, and you know in full compliance with all uh, international best practices for banking. Just one note on that decentralization aspect as well. We just saw it with Wednesday's hacking why decentralization is so important because those hackers did not get into all those different accounts. They got into some sort of Twitter portal where they had access to just about everything. It seems they they did not individually hack. Mm -hmm. Elon Musk, Apple, uh, all the different people who tweeted something out. Some, something happened by them getting into the central system for Twitter, which allowed them way, way too much access. Uh, and you know behind the scenes right now, you, you hack into Elon Musk's account, you could see some of his private DMs. That's apparently what something the hackers were able to, to see. You know they're getting absolutely skewered right now by the some of the most powerful people in the world for the security risk <laughs> oh yeah it's listen you know i the internet's uh there are some very dark corners of the internet where there's some very capable uh technical geniuses and uh good yeah, luck it's uh <laughs> it's not good i would not want to be in twitter's offices today i'll tell you what no but again look it's uh with every breach, it, it, there's a countermeasure. So, you know, steps will be taken uh, to secure that breach and, and protect it from happening again. And, you know, this is unfortunately what drives innovation. Uh, you know, for every security breach, there's a countermeasure. And that's hopefully builds a, a better ecosystem. And then that's going to lead, you know, to more cat and mouse stuff. And it's the nature of the game, I guess. Yeah, honestly, I think we're extremely fortunate that they had access to all these accounts and ended up getting about $85,000 in cryptocurrency. That was their entire haul from this, uh, according to the the bit transfers. I've seen a couple links of how much they got, and it was like, I think it was about ten bitcoins, which is at nine grand each, is ninety thousand dollars. So, not the most. You know, it just surprises me. It surprises me. Like it's twenty twenty. You see, like Bill Gates needs your thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin, and like who actually sends it to them? I, I, that's what it surprises me more that someone actually sent the bitcoins than the fact that they were hacked. Because I, everyone, anything that's online, somebody's coming for you. Like you have to operate with that assumption. But the fact that you see that Bill Gates is going to give you two thousand for one thousand, like he can become the, one of the or the richest man in the world for math. I like actually that, have so. a theory. Anyway, I guess there's a sucker born every minute. One okay, was the most successful. Uh, are you familiar with the YouTube account Mr. Beast? No, but okay. I will be. He's He's got 30 million followers on YouTube, and his entire thing is giving away large sums of money. He 
gets paid a ton to do ad reads, sponsor reads, and he gives away a hundred thousand dollars. Like there's one time where he uh, bought twelve cars from a car dealership, and people would come in and he would sell them cars for a dollar, and that's his entire shtick. Well, he, they got him, and he oh, wow. tweeted it out, and it's the one time because yeah you see bloomberg you see gates you see bezos they're not about to like come on that's not going to happen but mr beast based on his content based on the fact that his demo probably skews young but also tech savvy i could see people having some bitcoin and it falls in line with the rest of his content he could tweet that out and he just gives people money and so i could actually see that that makes sense. And I guess they should have done more market research and targeted more <laughs> people of this nature. Because like you said, oh, send me a thousand, I'll send you two. I wouldn't fall for that. But, eh. Yeah, some people also, I was on uh, some stock subreddits on it yesterday and people were talking about how they could have made so much money by tweeting out something from Elon Musk uh, about a Tesla delay and shorting it or and, you know buying options and making sure that they... They could have manipulated the stock market in a way that would have been way more lucrative if done correctly, but they instead left with 90,000 in Bitcoin. So hopefully they're happy with it. No comment on that type of stuff. Right? <laughs> no comment. Anyways, we're getting off the, off the topic. I thought it was incredibly fascinating yesterday. And given that it again reinvigorated this conversation on what the blockchain is, sure. what Bitcoin is, and again, highlighted that the general public still doesn't really understand how this works. I thought it was good to talk about it as it's a, a core part of fandom. But getting back to esports, considering this mm-hmm. is the Esports Network podcast, the previous fandom uh, iteration was focused a lot on sports, fandom sports, uh, with esports as part of it, as an ancillary, but not really the the core focus. Why did you want to shift focus entirely towards esports, at least from the jump? What what was the the benefit in esports that you saw? Benefit in esports is really quite evident. The 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 engagement numbers, uh, uh, the number of games that have become professionalized, uh, the number of teams that have grown across the number of games across the number of countries. It, it it's uh, you know I, I think to use the term growth is an understatement. It, it, it's beyond growth, right? It, it's it's just become ubiquitous, right? So you have professional teams that are setting up. Uh, professional esports teams it's it's just the future of gaming and i use gaming but but like anything that you play right like if you consider what's gaming you know uh your grandma playing words with friends she's a gamer right when you look at that demographic when you take that into context you know you have a market of everybody i think it's you know 2.3 billion people are gamers Right? There's billions of gamers in the world. So the amount of people that can convert from gamers to esports viewers, I think, is much larger than people that are just going to start watching sports. So demographically, uh, the evolution of technology, you know, never mind what's going to be happening with AR and VR down the road, right? That's still an unknown where you could actually get in the games. Um it's, you know, I think it's the place to be. And unfortunately, with what's going on with COVID-19 right now, you know, all the projections that you saw from 2019 saying where the industry is going to be in 2025. Well, I can tell you today, uh, in July 2020, those 2025 predictions are happening now. 
So it, it, it's, it's on, it's on turbo what's going on in the industry. So, um, Maybe I'm a victim of luck and happen to be in the right place at the right time. Uh, but, you know, uh, it's a place to be. And unfortunately, again, you know, there are no sports going on now. So it's a perfect storm of content. You know, even people at home, unfortunately, you know, we're talking about watching things on the screens. There's nothing, you know, with um, what's been going on. The production of regular, like, televised type of content has also stopped. So... You know, I don't. There's nothing on TV in terms of live sports. You know, you don't want to watch live news because that gets uh, tiring and depressing. So everyone's flocking to esports, and uh, you know, to use an old Canadian metaphor from Wayne Gretzky, you want to go where the puck is going, not to where it is. So I think esports is where the puck is going, and you know, I think fandom wants to be a big part of that, and I think we have a very exciting opportunity. Speaking of the great one, when he appeared in a press release for whatever competition it was. I think he was playing a Vetchkin in like a charity NHL match. I was like, okay. We that was that was like May. And it was just Gretzky's 70 years old. For anybody who doesn't know, this is the greatest hockey player, probably the greatest athlete of all time in my opinion. Uh at least the gap between him and any other athlete in the sport is wider. Uh I love Wayne Gretzky. But when he when I got a press release saying that he was playing a video game with somebody else I was like this is wild to me i would never have imagined in my lifetime i would have seen wayne gretzky play a video game against a current nhl superstar right isn't that cool it's awesome it's awesome and now the circumstances around it suck of course but the uh the current entertainment climate that we have right now in esports you mentioned some of these projections i think one that is most notable is uh twitch viewership if you had to look at what twitch projected viewership to rise to, they were at 750 million hours of 2019. If they project, projected to get to 1.5 billion hours of 2025, that would have been a pretty aggressive prediction. They hit 1.5 billion hours in April of 2020. So they did that in one year. April of 2020, I think the May number was 5 billion. 5 billion. Hold on, let me go. Yeah, 5 billion. Over the, five billion. Over the pandemic or just in April? No. If Twitch, I got an email on this. Oh man, I hate talking about numbers when I don't have them in front of me. So everybody, please excuse me. But it, you know what? I'll tell you this: they're they're going up double. Oops, sorry. Let me close that website. So they're going up double digits in percentage, for sure. The last three or four months, for sure. So any, you know, if you're growing ten or twenty percent a month, on the starting point that they had, and I'm sure it's well beyond that. It, it, the numbers are insane. They're astronomical. So what does that tell you? It tells you about the appetite for this content. And what we know about people is that once you start a new practice or a new habit in life, you know, it becomes a part of your daily routine. I found, I found the article. If you're, so it was, it was Q2, 5 billion total hours watched. Yeah, there you go. Absolutely absurd. So that's and it's the first time they've ever passed 3 billion total hours watched in a single quarter. So it's just the kind of growth is absolutely astronomical. That plus, we'd already seen plenty of brands, uh, sports figures, look at gaming. When mm-hmm. everything shuts down and gaming still operates, mm-hmm. that accelerated a lot of people's like, oh, okay, we need to do this. We were sponsoring sporting events. We had conventions planned. Mm-hmm. Those are gone. Gaming is our new opportunity. And so uh, for quite a few reasons, it's just been a explosive growth and 
I think we're only just seeing, we're only starting to see some of these conversations that began with this pandemic around gaming. Uh, and we're going to really see a lot of deals come out of it, major moves made over the next year or two. Absolutely. Look, uh, I'll tell you what we're doing to be a part of that, frankly. Uh, like I said, we're having content come in, right? There's so much content out there that you have to, you know, be able to filter through it somehow. So if we could provide a platform, Fandom Sports can provide a fl platform to these companies like Twitch where we can help them even increase these already high numbers even more. You know, if we can increase, you know, I, I hate to provide forward-looking projections, but, you know, a 2% increase in uh, 5 billion hours of engagement, that's a, that's a huge number, right? When you talk now, if you try to reverse engineer those numbers, how much extra advertising, how many more data points can we help generate? Uh, and at the end of the day, it'll make a better user experience for the gamer because what the, what you're doing is we're tracking in real time what people are interacting with, what they enjoy. So it, it's like, you know, old fashioned, uh, uh, old fashioned Nielsen TV ratings, right? You do a show and then you go and you get the ratings. We're able to do that in real time. So, so there's a number of benefits that we can provide to this. Now, one thing that we didn't discuss, which is that, you know, with the boom in esports and everyone flocking to the platforms and the absence of sports, uh, you know, we, we forgot sports wagering. So one of the things that we're doing at Fandom as well is we're getting our gaming licenses because depending on where you are in the world and if you're of age, you know, by making the predictions that our system can generate, you can also wager real money. And then that money is exchanged for fan coins within our ecosystem. And then with those coins, you make all your wagers. And then when you want to cash out, you exchange those fan coins and back to cash for you. So we're probably several weeks away from getting our first license. And, you know, depending on which jurisdictions we want to operate in, we'll be adding additional licenses. And, you know, we'll have both an all ages and a over 18 uh, wagering platform as well. So to capture both spectrums of the ecosystem, because, you know, anybody who is a gamer, listen, I was a gamer. I'm, uh, I'm not an old guy. You know, I'm in my early 40s, but I was playing video games 30 years ago. Still play video games, right? Not in any type of competitive way. Uh, but you know, anyone who's gaming now is going to be an adult, and you know, if they're into wagering, we'll be able to offer that to them as well. And hopefully, what we'll, we'll, part of our business plan is to build up a pool of people that are familiar with our ecosystem, and that if they want to you know, participate in that type of uh, wagering, you know, we can provide them with that opportunity. So it's um, exciting, doubly. So it's uh, there's a lot of work going on in the back end. I'm sleeping very little and motivated by enthusiasm. So. Uh, I'll, I'll sleep later. <laughs> I feel that. So I have a uh, little story about esports betting that's come out sure. of this pandemic, and our listeners have probably heard this at least once, uh, maybe, maybe twice. And I apologize if you're hearing this story again, but I find it incredibly fascinating, uh, and just how perspectives on betting have changed very quickly mm -hmm. in. April, so I, I moved to Las Vegas, obviously a place very well known for its betting culture. Mm -hmm. And in April, I had an article for the Washington Post about the rise of esports betting. And for that article, I talked with Joe Asher, the CEO of William Hill, which is one of the okay. most regulated sports books in the US. And I talked with him and he's like, uh, yeah, people don't care about esports. They care about uh, table tennis and Belarusian soccer, I think was his exact quote, and sumo wrestling. And really? it's yeah, and he was like, it's 
you know, we're looking at it. Some people in our company are, and they've offered some lines. Well, a month and a half later, late May, New York Times writes an article as well, and they talk with Joe Asher. And Joe Asher's quoted that as, I've seen, we've seen massive growth in our esports section. It's just, uh, people are betting left and right. It's this, he's super complimentary of it. And I was like, wow, what a stark contrast. I talked to him early April, and by late May, his entire perspective on esports betting had, had had flipped. It just completely 100 degrees the other direction, 100 degrees, 180 degrees the other direction. That's how math works. Um, <laughs> and it was such an interesting perspective because I just saw, I just, it, it, the numbers became undeniable. And it's something that a lot of people have seen in esports is that once you are forced to confront it, you have to accept that this is, just this massive opportunity. And once you give people the options, you started putting esports contests out, you realized, oh wait, no, people do care about this more than they care about Belarusian soccer or uh, sumo wrestling. We just didn't, weren't giving them the opportunities to do so before this. Cat's out of the bag, right? It's, uh, it's here. It's uh, like I said, you know, what was going to be a rapid growth you know, became a tidal wave and, you know, it, it turned the boat around at William Hill, right? What was <laughs> You know, it's William Hill. They're the largest guys in the world at this. So, you know, their 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 whole corporation had to pivot because sports stopped globally. What do you do, right? People, you know, people need to do something, right? Like you can't just sit in the dark. You need a book. You need a computer. You need a TV. Something needs to be there to fill this void, right? People need interaction. Like we're social animals, right? So if there's no sports, you go to esports, right? You, you had some people that went from. Uh, sports wagering to day trading, right? Because right. I bet you some of those, <laughs> I bet you that, you know, a lot of those people are coming back to esports now. And then, you know, they're going to have three screens. One screen's going to have esports games, one screen's going to have sports games, and they're going to have their stock trading accounts in front of them, right? So. Oh, man. Online poker games became so soft those first few days of the pandemic. Okay. It was It was so beautiful. It was just people who normally bet on sports and just hand their money to DraftKings and, and FanDuel and all the different legal sports betting. And again, all legally, just to yeah. be clear to our, to our listeners. Of course. Legally. But yes, the legal poker games I was playing in uh, became incredibly soft. It was noticeable that there was a shift and, you know, people are just picking this up because they have an itch to fill and they, that's how they're going to scratch it. So I was, thought it was quite interesting. Um, just in looking at how this affected so many different worlds and the fact that they went to day trading is like almost a little bit scary that people are like, Oh, we can't bet anymore. Okay. I guess I'm going to go mess with the stocks and uh, sure. Why not? I think, you know, there's a very big distinction to make, you know, you know poker is a game of skill, right? Like let's just get that out of the way. You know, right. you can't just go and guess what you're going to do. You know, the stock market, uh, you know, there's a reason that Warren Buffett's the man because he's been, researching this with you know qualified people for decades you know, yeah you can go buy a stock and sell a stock but you know investing and trading are two different things you know devoting time and effort to learning poker and the nuance of mathematics that's required to understand odds is another thing than waiting sitting waiting for a pair of pocket aces right so you know, this velocity that you see here um i think doesn't really apply to esports i'll tell you why because esports, anybody can pick up a remote and play the game, right? So you have things that are, um, 
more experience-based, not skill, but you have experience with, with, with what's going on in video games. Everybody plays video games. Like I said, my, my grandmother, she's 90 years old. She plays Words with Friends. She's good. I wouldn't bet her money. <laughs> so it's, uh, it, it's here. It's staying. It's only going to get bigger. And we're going to see you know, uh, people going in between all of these types of ecosystems. But I think uh, that the esports is going to be one that's going to grow the most. I mean, stock market, but that's a different discussion altogether. But out of uh, traditional sports betting and esports betting, I think esports is going to be going way more rapidly than sports betting. It's going to cannibalize that business. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about being a publicly traded esports company. Sure. It's an industry that doesn't have very many of those. Uh, you know, the biggest game publishers are publicly traded Activision Blizzard, EA, for mm -hmm. example. But uh, most of the esports teams are not. Uh, what's as being a publicly traded esports company? Are there is there some level of education that needs to go into to convincing investors that this is the right thing to do, or are people coming around on esports uh, in the general, you know, investing communities being like, okay, we need to we need to be aware of this sector. I need to find some things. I need to add some esports companies to my portfolio. Uh, what are the unique challenges that go with being publicly traded in this space? Yeah, very, very good layout there. Because when you hear the term esports, you say, are you a sports team? Are you a game publisher? Are you a console manufacturer? You know, so there, there's different segments under that esports umbrella, right? So, um, you know, we are not similar to what Twitch does. We don't broadcast people. We don't make games. Um, you know, I, I think the challenge uh, is to differentiate yourself in the crowded market. Uh, you know, what we're what you see with us as a public company is the ability to say, Hey, you know, this is, you know, hopefully a company that we feel is in an exciting space. We can buy stock today and, you know, we, we can join the ride. Right. Whereas, you know, and hopefully catch some of that growth. Um, you know, you have you know, Twitch is owned by Amazon, right? Uh, you know, I won't even touch the story of their stock. It's the most valuable, one of the most valuable companies in the world, but with the more mature players in the industries, the gaming publishers, you know, um, it's a different level of investment. So we, we appeal to, we want to work with investors who see, you know, where we're going, you know, I'll go back to the Wayne Gretzky, where the puck is going. Cause right, that's, that's, that's where our target is. So, you know, if, if you look at the William Hills and the draft Kings, these are all multi-billion dollar companies, you know, our market cap today, it's about you know, $10 million us, right. We're a Canadian company. So uh, you know, we have to make the distinction. Our currency trades at a discount to yours. Um, so, you know, uh, w what we do is we have to, uh, you know, execute on some of the partnerships, you know, the, the one here with eSports and you guys, that's great. Uh, you know, a fantastic organization. Uh, Mark, the CEO, is a fantastic guy. And, you know, we share his vision where, where you know, where we both want to be in, in, you know, the short term and the long term. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a global reach, right? So the fact that we can bring in huge amounts of information, appeal to a huge community, you know, I think the challenge really as a public company is just creating the awareness. So, you know, I just really appreciate the opportunity to be on the show here with you, to speak to your listeners and, you know, to carry on uh, the dialogue that you've had in the past with our company. But uh, hopefully big things will be happening. And so we're a public company. People buy stock people can sell stock they can do whatever they like the u.s traded we trade around the world so you know the benefit is the drawback it's that 
you can buy stock, but you have to find this to do so. So symbols FDM and, and the US it's FDMSF. And you know, you can trade us on any platform if you do so choose to. And I'll link that stock down below so you can just see uh, the company, its market cap, where it's going. And, you know, I think it's a great value where it stands right now. I, I might have to go get a little, get a piece of that as well. Um, so thank you so much for coming on the podcast, David. It was great talking to you at Esports Network. We're extremely excited to be working with Fandom Esports. Uh, looking forward to the future. I think there's a lot of awesome collaboration. Uh, you mentioned Mark. Got to give Mark Timmig, CEO of Esports Network, a shout out. His name's on my check. Much appreciated, hey, Mark. Mark. Yeah. <laughs> Um, for people who want to work with Mark and with Esports Network, we're looking for a sponsor right now. So if you want to be, if you work for a brand that's looking to expand their reach in esports, uh, the Esports Minute and the Esports Network podcast are looking for a sponsor. If you're interested in that opportunity, please reach out to Mark Timmig, CEO of Esports Network. His email will be in the bio of this podcast, no matter where you're listening in. So we'd love to hear from you if you're interested in that. Uh, this was David Vinokurov. Thank you. I, I had to scroll back up to the top. It's of all good. All good. <laughs> it's so bad. Um, <laughs> David Vinokurov, CEO and president of Fandom Esports. Be on the lookout for a lot more news coming out of Fandom. They have some awesome things planned as well. Uh, later on this podcast, for our listeners, I'm excited about the slate next week. This one will be going up Friday. I've got Mac, who I know I promised last week but unfortunately he had to reschedule but that one is scheduled for tuesday published on wednesday he's a rookie for the new york subliners going to be talking about the shift to online play in the cdl and the recent win at the new york home series for the subliners and then i've also got two executives from xset the new company just announced today on thursday uh, from FaZe Clan and their plan uh, to increase diversity and inclusion in esports. So excited about those two podcasts. This was Mitch Reams for the Esports Network podcast, along with David Vinokurov. Cheers. Thank you, guys.